Hello and welcome to episode 79 of Canberra Conversations with your host Colin Campbell and today's conversation is with just me as I dive into another solo Q&A from the questions asked by the listeners over on Instagram. We have 25, 26 questions I think to get through and these include a range of questions about my career change, the cryptocurrency market, breaking sobriety, how I expect to feel about myself when I'm 80 years old and a whole lot more. I hope you all enjoy this episode and the plan is to have a solo episode every 10 to 15 episodes if there's a topic I can add value on or if there's a lot of questions coming through on Instagram and it's always fun to dive into some of the topics that maybe I don't get to share enough of when I am a host. So more than happy to do these on a regular occasion. I'm pleased to say that today's podcast is supported by Factory Weights. You can get high quality gym and fitness equipment at an affordable price with next day delivery for just £3. Anyone that's been following on Instagram will have seen the workouts that I've been doing for Factory Weights on their Instagram and their YouTube channel as part of their promotions and their value that they're adding. So you certainly know that the equipment is put through a rigorous test by myself and the guys at those shoots. And I'm a huge fan of having a little bit of equipment in around the house. They've even got some resistance bands nowadays, which play a big role in my mobility work that I do each morning before I do my steps. Overall, factory weights are heavy on quality, but light on price, and you can check out their website in the bio, which is factoryweights.co.uk, and to get an extra 10% off their already really, really affordable prices is call 10 to save. Before we dive into this one, I want to say a thank you as always for your continued support, and the biggest thing that you can do to support the podcast and help me keep getting high quality guests in the next few weeks and months is to share this with a friend that you think might enjoy it. It doesn't have to be this episode, but just please pick an episode in the backlog that you enjoyed that you think they might enjoy, and then we double our audience straight away if everyone listening did the same. So thank you for that, and let's get into this one with me. Welcome back to another episode of Cambroke Conversations. And today's conversation is a solo QA with myself. We've got 25 questions to work through and some really interesting ones that had me thinking before I hit the record button tonight. Let's start off at a, at a pace. And question one is How do you maintain motivation to train and diet after so many years? I think I first started lifting weights in 2017. 2007 or 2008 so that is 12 13 years ago a long long time and I can't say I've ever gone through a period where I haven't wanted to train I certainly didn't diet during all that time because I I didn't really know what I was doing all the time when it comes to calories but I would honestly say that I'm not particularly motivated nowadays I do get a kick out of training sometimes. So there is motivation at times where I'm like, oh, I really want to go and go to the gym or I really want to control my nutrition to um, to change my body for this summer and get in the best shape I've ever been in or whatever that is. However, eating well is absolutely a reward when it comes to energy levels, when it comes to your skin, when it comes to your mindset, when it comes to how you feel, meaning that it's absolutely beyond the aesthetics now I'm not just motivated and stimulated by looking a certain way looking good is still absolutely a carrot and it's a uh, a big thing for my confidence now I feel but largely I'm not particularly motivated I'm quite disciplined I've got a lot of habits and routines which are quite hard to to shake I'd actually feel terrible if I lost control or complete groove or fell out of it when it came to training nutrition I just wouldn't feel happy and fulfilled and with purpose and I like feeling good as many of you will will as well question two have your fitness goals changed since moving job roles you're traveling lots now lots of questions about the new job so we will get to those as the, as the podcast goes so bear with me but for starters lots more travel with work you're absolutely right a lot of major student cities that I'm operating in Liverpool Manchester Preston even as far south as Cheltenham, Birmingham, Lincoln, which for Glasgow is, is, is far south. I'm sure anyone in, in London or below is, is, is shaking their head at me saying that's south, but it, it is indeed. 
the goals haven't moved a huge amount when it comes to my fitness goals, but I've had to scale my programming a little bit. Many of you know that I was doing the six sessions a week, three very hypertrophy and strength focused, three with a bit of hypertrophy and strength at the start, followed by metabolic conditioning and a bit more kind of CrossFit style functional fitness. That's down to one or two days a week at most now. So it's gone from three to one or two, often one, just because I'm only really getting out to the the garage gym one day a week on a Friday if I'm working in from home that day. If I'm if I'm traveling, then it's harder to do. I'm also a little bit less religious with my logbook. I was smashing the logbook progression when I got back in the gym when they reopened because I got access to heavier weight again after just training in the garage, which was a godsend, but the dumbbells were only up to like 30s that we had at the garage. And I was in a lot of heavier barbell stuff. But doing the exact same movements using different gyms each week and each day is difficult to replicate. So I've had to be a little bit less uh, rigid on that. So a barbell row in one gym, maybe that's not a bad example, uh, a chest-supported hammer pull-down in one gym is going to be different to a, a, a lat pull-down I have to do in another gym when it comes to getting one of my pulling movements in a, on, on, on a pull-day. I, th- I think that's that's probably the main change is a little bit less conditioning just because I'm, I'm, I'm too tired with all the travel. I'm not recovering from it. How I physically move and feel when it comes to my training still remains massively important. A lot of the moves that are in the training have stayed the same. So um, single arm dumbbell, dumbbell press, uh, kneeling with for my shoulders, a dumbbell or a kettlebell high pull has been fantastic for shoulder health as well. A lot of the moves remain the same. I'm, I'm still barbell squatting. I'm still barbell front squatting, which has been great as well. And I'm focused on that. But I've always loved hypertrophy. I've always loved that. So that will always stay as a constant and that's not moved. Question three, will Call work as an independent brand away from the corporate world? It's not a goal right now. I never thought I would work in the industry that I'm in now, which is furniture. And we'll get into the new job stuff, I promise, as the podcast goes. So you should never, ever rule anything out. I haven't pushed to work independently and be my own brand, albeit I've built the podcast, I've built the Instagram, the email list is building as well, which is a big focus for me. Despite having a clear focus on building a personal brand to an extent, I haven't built like a monetized brand. I haven't built a product or a service. My new job is giving me a lot of fulfillment at the moment, and that's in the corporate world. And the corporate world can offer you this. I think it's so important to remember that. It is available to you if you find the right job, the right role, the right company, the right time as well. And if you make yourself valuable and you find a role that stimulates you, you can do that. So at the moment, there's no plans for me to be an independent brand and completely a, a business owner and entrepreneur, but everything else will continue to take over in the background to enable me to make choices further down the line. Question four, why do you do what you do? That's philosophical, isn't it? It's getting a bit deep already, but I'm going to try and be as direct as possible. I do things I love and enjoy. I very rarely partake in activities or do things that I actively dislike. That means that I have tended to double down over the years on things I enjoy doing and have seen relative improvements based on the fact that I'm investing a lot of time, what I would call narrow but deep rather than wide and shallow. That's not to say that I avoid challenges or struggle, which I mean, I I maybe do in some areas of life. I achieve growth and challenge and stretch in work, the podcast, hard training sessions, that's where I get my struggle from. I just don't expose myself to that many things away from that. So why I do what I do is it's all conscious choices. I very rarely do things without a lot of intention to them. And that maybe gives me less variety, but I'd much rather that depth and that stimulation from doing things properly. So that's why I do what I do. I think my why is... I don't find it too difficult to do things that I'm quite keen on doing. Five, what's more important to you, health or wealth? Funny, that's kind of a topic that I talked about on the BBC documentary um, with Duncan. Again, an episode in the podcast we did with Duncan as well, which was great as a follow-up. And I think his title of that particular episode of all the 
what's it called? Scary adult things was is health the new wealth. And I would say that health is the foundation for me. So health is more important to me than wealth because I'd be nowhere if I wasn't healthy. I'd be nowhere if I didn't look after myself. I don't think you can buy being healthy with wealth that you have. So you cannot just put some money over a counter and, and, and have an able physical body, a functioning immune system, a sharp mind, a healthy sleep pattern, good levels of energy. You cannot buy it. It's not possible. You can throw as much money as personal trainers or uh, a nutrition coach or whatever you want, but you cannot just buy health. You have to have an, a level of application. It requires effort, application, adherence. It requires investment from you from a time perspective. And money doesn't really buy time either unless you we're talking about outsourcing certain things. And I'm sure we might actually get to that in the, this podcast as well. I think one of the questions around that. I think with good health, I'd argue you're in a better position to long-term and sustainably acquire wealth. So for me, health is the foundation that comes first before wealth. Question six, what doors has the podcast opened up since starting in April? I think, first of all, I've made some excellent friendships on a personal level through the podcast. The connections which have opened up to different introductions and to different discussions and to interesting people has been absolutely amazing i've done some brand work with brands that i wouldn't have had access to without introductions through the podcast and there's a couple more of those to come excitingly particularly in august so please keep your your eyes and your ears peeled for 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 that collaboration which i'm going to be doing and i wouldn't have got access to those without doing the podcast i wouldn't have built as deep a connection with the audience that i have instagram was great for a number of years, I felt I had a real connection with my audience, despite not being a massive page. I was still growing and I was having conversations with people in the DMs that were impactful. But the podcast has quadrupled that, probably more than that, maybe 10 times that in terms of connections. So I'm very, very thankful for that. And I think the last thing is that through that, it's also refined my audience. I don't have that many of my original audience left from the very, very early days of Cambros uh, on Instagram because I'm speaking about things that are maybe a little bit more in depth than just macros and training. Those are massively important, but we're talking a lot about self-development. We're talking about investing. We're talking about mindset. We're talking about career. We're talking about business. That, fortunately or unfortunately enough, filters out a number of people who are just there for you taking your top off and telling them about training and nutrition, which I can still do to a good level, but I'm trying to go a little bit beyond that. And I think that's change the change the audience that I have as well and the discussion that we have about episodes and about guests and about the ideas discussed and the impact it has in terms of people taking action on that is 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 amazing so the podcast opened doors in terms of the audience being more connected with me than ever before and me being more connected and invested in their success and equally on a personal level some friendships number seven any plans for more properties in the future this used to be a big thing for me. So January 2019, bought my first property with my brother, the one which we live in. And I was saying to Ian, as soon as you're ready, let's get a, a buy-to-let mortgage on another property. You and I will go in it together because you've got more buying power with two of you and we're brothers. And although not all families work well together, we, we certainly do in, in some regards. But for the last 18 months, I went completely off property. I got really into investing more heavily as a percentage of my salary in ETFs. I started investing in cryptocurrency and I doubled down on assets, other assets beyond property. So I definitely got excited by, by crypto. However, now that I'm speaking to a lot of property developers and a lot of friends in that space, Bryce Bell, Justin Wilkins have both been on the podcast and they're both very big in the property space now. It's clearly a great asset class and I'd like a buy-to-let property where I owned it and I rented it out to reliable tenants, either young professionals or students or, or whatever the model was, somewhere in Glasgow that I could manage quite easily or get an agent that I trusted to manage. I think that would be an interesting place to put my money because it's, it's hard, it's tangible, you can touch it. And I think that's why property's popular and it seems quite resilient as well. Question eight, why don't you test your functional slash gymnastic strength more often? 
I think first things first, I don't think I include that much in my training that would make me a better gymnast. So not much of what I do within my training week, my six days in the gym would move me towards that because simply I haven't made it priority. I haven't decided that I'm really interested in doing so. So I think first of all, it's, I, it falls into that camp of why, when I was answering, why do you do what you do? I do things that I tend to enjoy that I get returned on. I haven't invested enough time and I haven't had the driving force behind me to invest time in practicing my gymnastics. I'm not particularly good at it. I don't even feel remotely competent. I don't think I would enjoy the training aspect of it. And moving away from work and social media content creation, I like to enjoy my training to an extent. Yes, I like challenge, but not abject failure. So I guess I just, I'm, I'm just not that um, invested. Definitely would be cool to be better at it, do some handstands and handstand press-ups and things like that. But I don't think I'm interested enough or willing to invest the time or take away from what I do right now to add in that style of training. Question nine, do you see yourself working or living outside the UK permanently? If yes, what's your dream location? If no, why not? It's never been a huge focus to live and work abroad, but in the world that we live in, hopefully post-pandemic, uh, that will still remain an option. But every year, I think there's times where I'm more susceptible to be agreeable to this idea. Right now in the summer in Scotland, at the time we're recording, it's July 2021. And when Scotland's dry and sunny or relatively good weather, you wonder why you put up with the brutal winter because during this period, you don't have to rely that much on the weather forecast. You sort of know that you can do most of the activities you would want to do outside without taking into account conditions or that or that they might be cancelled because it's so wild and, and so or so cold. So I sometimes imagine waking up and knowing that the weather was going to be nice or at least passable. However, and I think that is an interesting factor. Imagine you finished work and you knew you could just go and play golf or you knew that for, for most of the year, at least, whereas here it's, it's a tiny slither of the year that you would you'd be able to do that. I've not got a massive bias on location based on that. It's more about the, the climate and the the weather, the language. Hopefully the majority of where I would go would, would speak English from a selfish perspective. I would want to make sure there was fulfilling career opportunities or at least the opportunity for me to run a successful business, whatever that may be from that place. I think I'd want the business economic and the political environment that I was going to, to suit me as well. But nothing planned at all. However, there is that temptation, isn't there, that imagine you could live in a climate where you weren't adversely affected for a large chunks of the year when it comes to, to weather. 10, keen to find out when you think you will next have a drink. It'll be two years in October on my birthday since I had a drink. So I'm tempted in terms of milestones to go until then. And that would be two years. That would, that would be quite a remarkable period of time, albeit it would include the pandemic where... I think a lot of people found it easier not to drink or they found it harder not to drink. It was either one or the other. Given the longer this period goes, the, actually it's the harder it is to break sobriety because it seems less and less worth it when you add up the compounded benefits that I've got over this period of time. More money, more calories, more energy, more productivity, more relaxed. And I think there needs to be an event that would really turn my head there are some events later this year that I'd be tempted as I think drinking would elevate the experience at those events. So I'm thinking like Warehouse Project in Manchester is, is one of the examples that some of my friends are talking about. And I think that's September, October. So it might well be that I do the two years. I do also fancy a Dubai brunch. So that would probably be November, December, I would guess, just based on uh, like when, when it would be quite cool there and quite nice and I would get some time for holiday. So that's potential. And I, I, would, I would definitely, I would almost definitely have a drink at that. Question 11, tips for office workers to maintain an upward trajectory with health and fitness. I, I, I've said this on podcasts I've guested on. My time working as a graduate post-university is when I saw the most improvement in my physique and the most improvement with my health and fitness. 
after university. So it can be done. I don't, I don't think we should view office life or a corporate career as a massive barrier to health. Yes, there's obstacles to overcome, but a lot of it comes down to habits and systems. So with that in mind, I could list a lot of like habits and systems like steps or meal prep or blocking out training times in your diary, non-negotiables and, and these kind of things. They're great, but fundamentally, I'll try and answer it from a different perspective. And that will be a shift in mindset towards the fact that your health and your fitness is a priority for you. And it needs to not matter that it's impacting traditional expectations of how you should behave within an office or how it impacts those around you who don't hold the same values or the same priorities as you when it comes to health and fitness. You're going to be in the minority in a company if you're focused on health and fitness because the majority of the population are obese. The majority of the population are not looking after themselves from a health and well-being perspective. So you have to embrace that you are going to be a little bit different. Being an outlier is to be welcomed. I think embrace your own weirdness as friend of the show, Chris Williamson would say. And uh, I think if you've not had the opportunity, his Ted talk was really interesting when it came to that. Um, so that, 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 that'll be on YouTube for those that want to check that out. Question 12, your most important habit? Question mark. Probably my morning walk. I think it's the trigger for a good day. It's a vote at the start of the day that I do things that serve me to feel good to feel creative to tick off a major goal which is to be active and be outside and work towards a step total which is hard to achieve as i said in the last one as an office worker it's not that's maybe one of the things that is difficult to do it helps me feel creative it makes me feel like i've served myself i guess the only other one that i would mention as an important habit is if i'm talking about like triggers or start points to the day you could even say it's drinking my pint and a half of water when I wake up. First thing, go to the bathroom, wash my face, go through to the kitchen, pint and a half of water, some of my supplements. And that's the first step in the morning routine. That's the start. So you could argue that that's the most important. But equally, I think the the walk's a big one because it's, it's the start of the more hard to implement habits that some people struggle with. And, and me doing that as a vote for me being the kind of person I want to be. Number 13, if you were going to death row, what is your final meal? I'm such a plain Jane. I might have actually answered this in a podcast before, either as a guest or, 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 or on camera conversations. I think my starter would either be calamari or mussels if it was the summer, so like a fish dish. If it was winter, at the family home, we always have carrot and parsnip soup on like Christmas day, Boxing Day, New Year's Day, that kind of stuff when we sit down at the dining room table. And that's lovely with a little bit of creme fraiche on the top of it. So that would be the winter starter, if not a fish dish. Main course, I'm thinking steak, have it medium rare with some thick cut potato chips, a bit of rock salt on top of them and some tender stem broccoli would be nice. Dessert, I'm going to go for sticky toffee pudding with ice cream. And if I'm feeling a bit extra, I think I would have some warm custard just drizzled on the side as well. So there's there's some fairly plain, simple foods that uh, maybe an insight into why I don't find it too hard to diet because I'm not particularly adventurous with my, with my food. Number 14, to anyone wanting to change their life with fitness, what is the first thing you would do? Wow, it's quite a heavy one, isn't it? change your life with fitness. I think fitness is the entry level to a lot of self-development. So, so many people that have been on the podcast, I've name dropped Bryce Bell already, but Bryce said to me on the podcast and he said to me previously before we were ever recorded when we first made friends that focusing on himself and bettering his body led to him bettering his mind, understanding struggle, understanding commitment, understanding discipline. And it led to him applying himself in, in his career in the Navy and then further down the line as a property developer. So that was really, really interesting. So I certainly think that's that's helpful. But I think in terms of first thing to do is start to flesh out what you actually want to achieve. Be clear in what that may be. And then you can work backwards from there. So whatever the goal is, you can then identify what type of training you might require to do that. How often are you going to need to do that during the week? What nutrition strategy is going to support this particular goal that you've got? What is it you can adhere to? What does your timetable look like? What is your 
strength of character and strength of discipline like? What's your experience when it comes to dieting or, 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 or whatever that may be? Because you need to set some sort of achievable start point. I think overall, changing your life through fitness could be something as simple as installing a few basic, strong, strongly evidence-based habits that are lifting weights three times a week progressively, trying to get stronger each time, walking every morning or on your lunch break, maybe both, and making better food choices that are more protein conscious. That's like entry-level habits to start winning and feeling healthier and moving towards a healthier you. And I think that would be the first thing to do is figure out what you want, start to work towards it when it comes to mapping out your week and how you can do that. And if, if you have no idea how to start, that might be a good place to start if you've never done that before. Number 15, first of the investment questions, do you worry about your crypto being down right now? I think the key term from the question is right now. So you, you said it's down right now. Why is that? So at the time of recording, the market score went, had, a, had a big readjustment at the probably the start of May, mid-May, and it's been pretty much going sideways for six to eight weeks now. And it was really easy to get swept up in the hype of how coins were just pretty much all mooning or all green going up from December all the way through to April. And that big readjustment, we we were due that. And the fact that it's been going sideways should hopefully reassure people a little bit. It's not just dipped all the way to zero. But if you zoom out and you look at the bigger picture, if you got into crypto in 2017, 2018, 2019, even for most of 2020, you'd be up overall. So you need to look at it in the long-term picture. And that's what really matters. Equally, the coins that I hold in my Swissborg and I buy, they're projects and technology that I believe in. I haven't just invested in something based on hype and hoping that it's going to go to the moon and I then can take my take my my, my profit out and, 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 and play with it. These are coins that I hope to hold for, for a long period of time and and only take out when I when I decide to. And I think with that in mind, I think to give you some reassurance when it comes to cryptocurrency, from my perspective, I am still averaging in monthly, sometimes more often than that, if I see an opportunity or I see a coin. So for example, Ripple XRP recently got listed on Swissborg Exchange, which is where I uh, buy my crypto. And so I, I, I put in the last couple of weeks, just whenever I saw the price at a level that I wanted it to be. So hopefully that gives you some idea that crypto's down right now, but I still believe in the projects. I wasn't like, I'm not like, I, I was never in it for a, a, a quick return. Question 16, what areas of your life are you your own worst critic? I think I'm probably harshest on myself about how flexible and accommodating I can sometimes be for socializing and plans. I try to pack a lot in. My weekends are quite full on, even after work, if I'm not doing podcast stuff or golf or something like that, which I can be social for, of course. I try to pack a lot in. So if things change or move fairly last minute, I can be a little bit ruthless and just stick to the original plan I had, adhere to what the plan was and uh, and just 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 cancel, cancel if, if something doesn't then work for me. And it can make me feel a little bit inflexible or a little bit not social and or anti-social. But I guess I do need to accept that some of these things need to happen and as in I need to say no to things that then don't suit me so that I can focus on all the other things that I care about that make me happy. However, writing down some of the good deeds and the social activities and the positive things that I do take part in in the six minute diary has been a big helper for me framing overall across my week that I'm still being social I'm still being accommodating I'm still being a supportive friend and albeit if somebody changes plans from a a Tuesday to a Wednesday at the last minute and I've got a podcast recording on the Wednesday night unfortunately I'm not going to make it anymore and and, and that's helped me see the overall across the week that I'm still a supportive person. So that's probably where I'm harshest. Question 17. If you were to ask your 80 and your eight-year-old self if they are proud of you, what would they say? Such a funny perspective because you're thinking it kind of two ends of your life. Hopefully I live well beyond 80, but at the start of your life, you're eight years old and towards the end or the back, the back half or the back quarter, certainly you're 80. I think my eight-year-old self would absolutely be proud of what, who I am and what I do. 
I'm certainly a much stronger, more confident and accomplished person than my eight-year-old self would maybe have indicated that I would be. If I think of myself at primary school, I wasn't massively confident. I wasn't, I didn't really hold myself in that high regard. I wasn't, I think academically, you would probably think I would be, I would have done quite well. I was probably set to go to university. You would have expected me to do quite well at university to maybe get a, a job that was considered intellectual. But certainly not physically. I was not impressed by any means. I wasn't confident. I didn't feel like a valuable uh, person. So my eight-year-old self, I think looking at me right now at, at 28, would be like, oh yeah, he's a pretty cool guy. He's, he's, he's doing things that I'd be happy with. 80 years old is actually a harder question to answer, I think, because I think that will depend on what the value system and the structures are like in 50 years' time. Think how much things have changed in that 20-year period since I was eight years old to now. It's quite hard to, to, to judge. I mean, at eight years old, there was no such thing as podcasts. I'd never heard of them. So when, when I'm 80, God knows what, what will be happening in 50 years' time. So will, will what I'm doing now or in the next kind of 10 to 20 years that are really going to shape my legacy as Colin Campbell and who I am and what I do in terms of how I look back on myself, will that be considered respectable? Will it be considered healthy through the lens that I'm looking at it as 80, at 80 years old? Will I still hold the same aspirations that age in the same areas of life? That's very difficult to know. Who knows the answer to that question? I don't think anyone does. However, I've spoken before about potential. And I absolutely, fundamentally want my 80-year-old self to be proud of the level of application I put into across the next 50 years, the things that I deemed important at that point in time. So hopefully my 80-year-old self will be proud of, of what I got up to. Question 18, do you hold any Dogecoin? No, another crypto question. I do not hold any Dogecoin at all. It's a meme coin. It's quite simply, the creators were, were joking when they made it but it got a lot of hype. Elon Musk tweeted about it. It grew because people bought into it and supply and demand is how these, how these investments work and these assets work. And I think if you've made money at Dodge and you're up right now, I think it'd be a, uh, it's a fantastic position to be in. Well, well done to you. But I just would not want to be the one left holding it when it goes right down towards zero because that's what will happen when people pull, the, pull their money out of a coin like that because there's not a project behind dodge that has value it's not an xrp when it comes to transfer of finance across the world it is simply uh, it's a meme it's a joke question 19 would you say you're more focused in your career right now or your own pursuits really interesting question it's definitely a balancing act but my career continues to undoubtedly be number one if you look at how i spend my week and my life I spend most of my days, Monday to Friday, on my career. That's the nature of my contract. That's the nature of my focus. That's the nature of what I put my attention towards. It's also what matters the most financially to me. As I've yet to really monetize the platforms, my own pursuits that I've got to a significant extent, it needs to, career needs to come first and I need to keep doing that, especially with this new job, which I'm really enjoying and financially it's rewarding me. My own pursuits will definitely matter a lot to me. And it's something that bleeds into my career because if you look at my presenting skills through the podcast and hopefully the improvements that you've noticed if you've been here since episode one, then that's bled into work when it comes to presenting in meetings, when it comes to presenting proposals, when it comes to being on the phone with a prospect for the first time and trying to make an impression or ask pertinent questions and shutting up and listening. That's, that's because of my podcasting practice and that pursuit. So th there, is, there is overlap, there's balance. Number one is the career. Everything else is going to tick over in the background. I'm still focused on that. I'm still producing a weekly podcast. I'm still producing a weekly email. I'm still turning up on Instagram when I pretty much when I feel like it and I think I've got something to say. Question 20, what's your advice for someone in the early stages of their career being handed new responsibilities? How can they keep calm and make sure to cover all the bases? I think whenever we're given new responsibilities, rightly, we feel some nerves. There should be an element of that famous phrase, imposter syndrome, because you're doing something new. The version of you has not done 
what you're being asked to do, these new responsibilities that have been bestowed upon you. And that should actually help us sharpen up and focus more because there's an element of nerves. We've all seen what happens when you become stale. Look at it in the sporting arena. The old champion gets knocked off their pedestal by the by the challenger who's been more sharp, more focused, more driven because it's new for them. There's excitement, there's energy and that pushes them that a little bit harder to train harder, prepare harder. And that preparation thing is going to be massive because the biggest way that I keep calm and work when I'm given new responsibilities is preparation and practice. It's research, it's understanding, it's rehearsal, and it makes me feel ready. Most people don't research enough. They don't review enough. They don't practice enough. They don't rehearse enough. So by doing some quality preparation work, you're going to stand out. Even people further up the chain than you will not as be well prepared as you are if you really invest a little bit of time in it. So I think as much as possible, you've mentioned covering the bases, spend some time covering the bases, be focused, put your phone away, turn off social media on your laptop, do the preparation work for these new responsibilities that you've just taken on and embrace them. And equally, through your experience of being involved with these new responsibilities for the first few weeks, first few months, however long it is, you're going to get better and that's going to help you too. So prepare as much as possible, but then learn from the experience of doing because there will be maybe some minor mistakes in that early period that you can implement the, the, the learning from. And then medium term, you're going to feel like you've progressed a lot because you've done a lot of practice, you've done a lot of research, you've learned from doing and you're in a, you're in a much better position that way. Question 21, how do you manage your time between work, rest, training, socials and podcasts etc that etc piece leaves a lot open to the <laughs> to the mind so maybe golf would go in there as well football watching rangers that <laughs> those are other priorities i think first things first my iphone calendar has got a lot of time blocked out on it so i've got reminders in my calendar i've got to-do lists i've got a written to-do list for work and i've got a written to-do list for my projects so under that i would title email list Instagram podcast and I also on that list will have things for the flat so at the moment I'm getting some quotes to replace the boiler I am arranging stuff with an accountant so that goes on the list and I need to be ticking off those boxes as well so that's how I find time well I don't find time that's how I allocate time to those tasks I think one of the things that might help understand how I may be able to do quite a lot of these things is freeing up time. So how effectively am I using the time that I assign to a task? I think we've spoke, uh, I, I can't think who the guest was off the top of my head, but work expands to the time allocated towards it. And I use my walks to try and sometimes create content on my phone. So I'll type content in my notes, either for the email list or ideas for questions to ask on a podcast, or even listen to a podcast to research an upcoming guest or think about an idea that I want to talk about or even think about something I want to write and work. So when I come back from a walk, I'm ready. I use my walks as well to network with people. So set up calls with friends uh, to be social or set up calls to network with people that I've just been interest, uh, introduced to, either a future podcast guest or somebody that um, is going to help me improve my self-development. And I do that either before work or at lunchtime uh, on my walks. So definitely making the most of the time. Training wise is one of the things you called out is fitting in. That's easy to fit in, genuinely easy. It's not something I think too much about that just goes in a diary. I know when I'm going to train, I'm going to manage five days at minimum. More often than not, I manage six days, not really too hard. I also get a lot of time back in the morning and last thing at night by not using my phone 30 minutes on wake and 30 minutes on sleep before sleeping. And I honestly, I cannot think how much time I got back because I used to wake up I pick up my phone, I fall back into bed, not go to sleep, but I would check Insta, I'd reply to some DMs, I'd open the group chat. By not doing that and not checking your phone until you're kind of ready, you get a tremendous amount of time back. I think we've all, uh, this happens to me more often than not when I go and stay in a hotel with work, I kind of lose that habit of keeping my phone outside my room because it's not possible. And you're kind of lying in bed, scrolling and a five minute check of Instagram turns into you've checked Twitter, you've checked Facebook, you've checked 
I don't know, you've Googled something, you've tried to send a meme into the group chat, you've ended up down the rabbit hole. So I think when it comes to managing your time, you can get a lot back before at the start of the day and at the end of the day to allocate towards other things. Previous guest in the podcast, Dan Meredith, said that that first hour of the day, work on something for you that's really important, whether that's your own business, whether that's your own health and well-being. Do that rather than get sucked into the screen. And then lastly, when it comes to me managing my socials, I use my laptop a lot more than I use my phone nowadays. So replying to DMs, comments, writing things down, because you're a lot less likely to get distracted by your laptop screen than you are by your phone screen, because there's lots more going on. There's lots more flashing. There's lots more notifications coming through. So it means I don't fall down that Insta Stories trap. Question 22, how has the move been to the new gig? Sorry, Pros, cons, etc. Right, we're going to get into the, the new job chat and fill then. It's been a great start. Two months in today at the time of recording, actually. And I'm feeling like I've got a real purpose to drive the business forward. I'm feeling fulfillment. So the biggest pro so far is probably I'm feeling purpose as I'm constantly I'm booking new meetings with prospects that the business has never spoken to before. I'm progressing opportunities. I'm creating quotes and proposals. It's very fast moving at the moment. And there's a quick turnaround to go from a cold prospect who's never bought from us before to a customer and securing income and business. And that feels great. It feels great. There's, I'm all for delayed gratification and patience, patience, sorry. But sometimes it feels good to just win and know that you did it. You drove it forward. Yes, the business had the product and the service, but they bought from you because of what you said, what you did, the effort you made to get in touch with them, to chase them down, to get the meeting, to show them that you are the best provider for them. So that's 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 been amazing. And alongside that, the financial remuneration has been a big pro as well. I've improved my basic salary. I have gone on to a more rewarding commission and bonus structure, which has actually been monthly. First time I've ever been involved in that. Every other bonus incentive scheme I've been on has been annual, which is worked well in some instances but monthly has been amazing the first two months have been financially my most successful months in my career so far which is is huge cons the business that i'm working for has huge growth plans over 133 percent in my first year in the business it's one of the big things that i've been brought in to help achieve within my division and with great experience in one sector of that which is university and big refurbishments of properties. However, we don't have a massive reputation when it comes to private houses and flats and houses multiple occupancy in the student space, which is HMO. And this is where I'm the most focused. So as a con, I'm not knocking on doors and being like, oh my goodness, we really want to recall him because his business is, is so well regarded in this space. And there's not like, there's not reputation and trust there to start with beyond me being a credible individual. But I'm going to frame that as a pro because long term, I can make that my own thing. I just have to get it right in terms of my message, my delivery. And I have to make sure that internally our systems and our operations stand up to my promises and what I'm looking to achieve within the business. So I think there's 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 pros and there's a pro to that con as well, which is always something I, I, I try and frame as well. Right into the home straight on the questions. 23 best and worst piece of advice received i think the best piece of advice was delivered not straight to me unfortunately i did read it and it was from jordan peterson's first well the first book of his that i read which is 12 rules for life and it's rule two treat yourself like someone you're responsible for helping and for me it reinforces personal responsibility and complete ownership of how you treat yourself and how your life follows that path. Because while, while that chapter in the book encourages you to speak to yourself, for example, how you would speak to a friend that was in the same situation as you, which I think is massive when it comes to compassion and how we treat ourselves, because we would never belittle our friends sometimes the way that our self-taught belittles us. But it also gives you an example of how you should treat and look after yourself. So the example that Jordan Peterson gives is around adherence to a medical protocol. So if you, if your dog, for example, your pet was prescribed a 12 week course of antibiotics 
you would follow it to the letter. You would ensure your dog took it. It's the same for your child. You ensure your child took their prescription to the letter at the right time, at the right day, the number of the number of days, all the way through to completing the course. In sharp contrast, we will regularly, and I, I, I don't have the exact statistics to hand, but we will regularly not fulfill our own course of antibiotics from the doctor because, oh, I'm feeling better. I don't need it anymore. But you weren't told that. You were told this is your prescription. This is what you should follow. And it's the same when it comes to like sleep or relationship advice. If your friend was telling you about what a terrible partner they had that was cheating on them or treating them badly, you would give them the advice that they should leave them. But if that happened to you, you may be less likely to do that. So it's really funny how these things can transpire that you would not treat yourself as well as you would treat your friends or your family. So treat yourself like someone you're responsible for helping. That's the best piece of advice that I've had. The worst, there's so many options, isn't there? I actually shared two with my email list a couple of weeks ago. One was from the fitness world and one was from work. And I'm going to share the work one just now, which was you should not prospect and do cold outreach on a Friday because you won't reach decision makers. For me, that just comes from a place of making excuses and giving yourself like a free out that on a Friday, I don't need to make any difficult, challenging phone calls where I might face rejection. It's removing your the challenge from your day because, oh, it, it wouldn't work anyway. There's a, there's a reason that I'm being unsuccessful today. Whereas ultimately, I think a lot of bad advice, particularly in work or even in fitness, actually, it comes from the other person protecting their position or their attitude or how they behave. So sometimes they're defending how they live their life and they're projecting onto you. So that was a terrible piece of advice that I got and regularly some of my most successful days prospecting, I do sometimes I do 10 before 10, which is 10 outbound phone calls before 10 a.m. in the morning on a Friday. And often the decision makers who are the most important people within the business are the ones that are most likely to be like in business mode than working on a Friday because they've got a lot more skin in the game. So I think it's completely wrong-headed. So I certainly wouldn't wouldn't say that's a good piece of advice. Question 24, how is moving industries? Are you happier, less stress, more freedom? So again, talking about the, the working world, I've left the insurance world after seven years and I moved into furniture, design-led interior design furniture. And... I'm really enjoying the speed of the industry that I was talking about earlier. I'm supplying directly into student accommodation and that's a growing sector, which is great to be a part of. It's a market that's growing, it's excelling, it's exciting to be part of. I'm also being really heavily backed to make the role and the service and the product my own, alongside my two team members, of course. And that's exciting because the growth plans are so big we can go after whatever deal, whatever client we want. And that was not the case in my last role at all. I was quite restricted. I was quite junior in terms of as part of the team, albeit when I was leaving, they were saying different things, but I, I, I felt quite junior. I didn't feel like I was an important, as an important a cog. Stress-wise, you call that out. The, tar- the targets here I've just said are, are for hyper growth, like over 100% growth, millions of pounds we're talking about. And so that's stretching, but it's not crippling me. It's not causing me any issues. There's more riding on me as an individual contributor at this company that I'm at in my role. So there's some stress with that, but I'm embracing it because it's it's a little bit of pressure and pressure is, is, is a good thing in, jo- in jobs more often than not, as long as it's not to an extent that you can't deal with. And uh, I'm welcoming the, the pressure. The last part of the question was around freedom. It's still a nine till five corporate job there's a little bit of travel outside of that when i'm going to meetings up and down to liverpool or manchester or wherever but we've got a lot of autonomy over my diary i've got a lot of structure that i can kind of choose how, how i do things i'm picking the trains that i'm going on i'm picking the hotels that i'm staying in i know that i can go thursday but if i've got something on after work on the wednesday i'm not gonna go and travel to a meeting that day i, I can kind of choose that there's zero requirement to be in an office. I'm home-based entirely. We have an office in Manchester, an office in London, which I can go to, but there's not massive need to it beyond the old team thing. And there's also a lot less constraints when it comes to COVID as well. Where I was previously, there was a lot of rigmarole and forms to fill out to get out in front of clients when even they were wanting to see you. Whereas 
what I'm doing just now. The clients are so eager to have us at their properties, to look at them, to come to their office. And the business that I'm at is, is more than happy for us to do that. Second last question, uh, 25. Do you see yourself in a corporate role in 10, 15 or 20 years time? This was a really thought provoking one for me. And there seems to be a lot of focus on career tonight, which has been, which has been great to dive into. I think my latest career move gives me a really clear path for five years. There's a route to director level within the student division that I'm in. And that's extremely exciting. That's a nice carrot for me. It's a, it's a way for me to move forward. Like it'd, be, it'd be amazing to be a sales director of a business, which seemed a lot further away in my last role and my last company. To say that I'm planning beyond those five years would be a little bit unfair. I think it'd be, I think I'd be lying to myself if I told you I was planning massively beyond that. Although I'm building my skill set and what I'm doing, I'm building my credibility in the market, I'm growing my experience, I'm learning more and more every day, I'm getting better, hopefully. That that, that that's that's how I'm foolproofing myself for 10, 15, 20 years' time. But alongside that, I'm growing my platforms. I'm focusing on the email list. I'm focusing on Instagram. I'm focusing on the podcast. And I hope that those continue to supplement my income whilst giving me a creative outlet that I care about and I enjoy doing. And so in 10, in 15, in 20 years time, it'll be nice to have the choice because that's true power. That's freedom. If I decided one day, you know what? Maybe I will go out myself. Or you know what? Maybe I will just completely go on in my career and I won't I won't create as much content that's very unlikely but I certainly think that it'd be nice to have the the freedom and the opportunity last question question 26 and a bit of a longer one to finish on five things you've learned from starting a pod give us your podcast wisdom lessons there's a few ways that I could go with this one I'm going to answer this as if I'm going to share with you five things I've learned from guests in the conversations that I've had rather than like the content creation or the process element of podcasting. So I think that's a lot more relatable rather than me telling you what I learned from putting out a weekly podcast in terms of how, how, how I needed to schedule and what I need to do from a, an editing perspective or anything like that. So recency bias is a big thing, but I've tried to go back into older episodes and bring some lessons from those, especially if you're new here, hopefully this gives you a, a, a carrot to go and listen to those episodes. So lesson one is from my conversation with Celeste Headley in episode 54, where she explained how to have better conversations. It was like conversation inception, inception of conversations. And she told me that it's actually not helpful to relay a similar story or experience to someone that's going through a hard time. So previously, my attempt at being empathetic or showing support would be saying to somebody, oh, don't worry about losing your job or breaking up or somebody passing away. This is my experience. Hopefully this is how I got through it. That's not actual, actually true empathy. Instead, it's more helpful simply to listen and absorb. Just take it all in and be a willing listening ear. To reply and think you're being empathetic is actually a little bit unhelpful and instead shifts the spotlight onto you and makes them feel like they've not been validated to the same extent. And that made me make some changes in how I deal with conversations with friends after that. And I can think of three particular occasions where somebody was telling me about some really challenging news and the little voice inside of my head said, just listen, Colin, don't try and relate your experience, no matter how scaled you try to do that. So you maybe can't relate on the same level, or maybe you can relate for something that's even worse or been more challenging. Don't do it. Just listen. Just, just, just take it in. Question two, uh, sorry, uh, wisdom part two was with Chris Motta, who is a coach in Glasgow. And we talked about strength and balances. And Chris taught me some new movements that have stayed in my program to support me having a more balanced symmetrical or at least symmetrical strength uh, across my physique uh, the, the main one is probably the single arm kneeling dumbbell press for my shoulder and it's meant that you're doing it unilaterally so it's great for your core and your balance but it's also great for making sure that your left and your right are equally strong when it comes to pressing which transfers over well to a barbell press it transfers over even to a ben barbell bench press and 
it's been excellent from a hypertrophy perspective as well. I actually do them twice a week and I feel a real stimulation in my delts and I've been getting stronger at it as well. The other one is a, a dumbbell or a kettlebell high pull, which is great for your upper mid back and your scapula protracting rather than retracting. So Chris taught me those two moves and he talked a little bit about the percentages that you would want to achieve in terms of relative to your deadlift, relative to your squat, relative to your pull-up. So really, really helpful one with Chris Mota. Episode three. Episode three, I'm I'm all over the place now. You can tell the podcast getting to the end, I'm running out of energy. Lesson number three from the podcast was from episode 64 with the Crypto Glasgow guys. We spoke tonight about my cryptocurrency investing. And in that episode, I learned a lot about the bull and the bear market cycles that we go through, as well as the corrections that occur within those cycles in terms of spikes and candles or drops and dips. And at the time of recording, we've seen a lot of corrections. We've seen like drops that have shaken investors out of the market, people that were trying to trade and make a quick buck. Without that knowledge and that understanding of what was happening within cryptocurrency and what what market cycles look like, you might panic and you might see it as a volatile asset class or or as a volatile asset class. You might see it as too volatile for you and you might panic and you might take your money out at a low point and realize that you've lost money because ultimately you've never lost anything until you realize it and until you sell it. So for me, that was really, really helpful in terms of me keeping calm. Lesson number four, we're going to go back to episode 29 with Dr. Nora Simpson from Stanford Uni, where we talked about sleep. It reinforced a number of the thoughts and protocols and procedures that I had when it came to sleep. But a new one for me was actually having a warm shower 30 to 40 minutes before bed. And it can help you sleep, especially on warmer nights. As your body starts to naturally try to cool down, it makes you feel drowsy. And my recommendation is to have it stack this with putting your phone on charge, getting in the shower, then drying off, reading, journaling, and that sets me up for a perfect night's sleep because my phone's off or it's away from me. I've had my shower, which takes some time. I've read, I've journaled, I've been away from the screen for 20, 30, 40 minutes at least. And my body's cooling down, ready to make me feel sleeping, ready to go to bed. Last piece of wisdom is from all the way back in episode four with my friend, Chris Reeve. And he asked us to focus on three things moving forward in our lives. And one of them was death. And that was, that was really, really hard hitting to hear live on the podcast. And Chris has shared before how losing his mum to cancer was a huge moment in his life as it would be for anybody. And it shaped his approach to life now, how he lives, his intentions, his values, his behaviours. And this compelled me and it compelled the listeners at the time to think of the mortality of those close to us and how we spend our time with them what we do with them, how we speak to them, how we care for them. If we had our time again and we couldn't say something else to them or we couldn't tell them again that we loved them or how much we enjoyed spending time with them or how important they were to us, we would probably do it more often, wouldn't we? So it encouraged us to do that and it encouraged me to be very intentional with my time, with my with my family, particularly during the pandemic. And importantly, it encouraged us to think about our own mortality as well. So are we spending our time in jobs that we hate? Are we spending our time doing activities that we hate? Are we spending time socially that is just the same thing over and over again that we don't really enjoy? Could we be more intentional with our time? So that was the five that I chose. I could have chosen lots, lots more, but those five stood out when I came to think about this question and I tried to find ones that were further back in the archives than like really recent episodes, which hopefully a lot of you have listened to. But that's that's a wrap for this solo q It's been a little while since I've done one. If there's a particular question I haven't answered, then maybe just DM me at call.cambro or join my email list, which will be linked in the bio and reply to an email that I send every Sunday to ask a follow-up question. I'm more than happy to answer it direct. And if it's really, really good, I'll save the answer for the next Q&A, which I'll do in maybe 10, 12, 15 episodes time. Lots and lots of good stuff coming up in the podcast. 
Your support means a tremendous amount to me. If you're listening on Apple, please hit the five-star rating and leave a written review. We're almost at 100 reviews, which is amazing. And it helps it reach more listeners. It helps uh, me show guests that are coming on that I'm approaching that we are a legitimate, really good podcast with an engaged audience. So please continue to do that. My only other favor I would ask is it could be this episode or it could be one of the ones in the backlog. It might be one of those five that I've just mentioned there. I want you to copy and paste that link and send it to a friend on WhatsApp or iMessage and tell them to get involved at Campbell Conversations because the only way that we continue to have a more positive impact and a bigger positive impact is through reaching more like-minded people like you, like me, and we will continue to grow and develop together. Thank you again for your time and I'll speak to you all very, very soon.